message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. I am happy to be in front of you today. Uh, Usually this is the part where I have to walk Hannah out, and I don't think I've made it through a full service, Uh, so it was going to take me preaching up here before I had to actually uh, get through the whole service. If everyone can uh, open your Bibles to Luke 19, chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. So, as Bobby said, every time someone hears Zacchaeus, and any time I ever told anybody over the last couple of weeks what I'd be preaching on today, first thing anybody ever thinks of is the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Uh, all of that is very true. Um, but we're not going to stick much with the wee little man. There's actually a lot more to tear into with, this, with these ten verses. So let's, uh, let's just read through them real quick, and then we'll um, take them one at a time. So beginning in uh, 19, chapter 19, verse 1 of Luke, he entered into Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has, gone to the guest of a, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So we have three characters in this 10-verse portion right here. We have Jesus, obviously. We have Zacchaeus. And then we have the people. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about those latter two characters and how they interact with Christ. Zacchaeus and the people. So let's begin with Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was... Uh, a very successful man, a man of, uh, man of worldly success. Uh, in verse 2, it says that um, he was the chief tax collector and he was very rich. So this guy is not just any tax collector. He's the chief tax collector, and he's the chief tax collector in Jericho. Um, now, Jericho at this point in history had, uh, had recovered from the time Joshua marched around and knocked down the wall. Um, a lot of time has passed since then. Jericho was a major commercial center in that portion of the, of the Roman Empire by Hannah. And, uh, and at this portion, at, at, this part of the, uh, at this part in history, it actually was, um, was a pretty populous, very, uh, very um, successful area of the Roman Empire. To collect taxes in Jericho... Um, you made a lot of money. And to be the chief tax collector in Jericho meant that you were making lots and lots of money. You were very successful. 
Um, so Zacchaeus likely had one of the largest houses in town. He likely had several servants. He was probably wearing really nice uh, robes. In fact, I think in that picture right there, you can't quite see it, but he's hanging off right there, and I, I like it because he's wearing a gold robe. Uh, he's, he's wearing... Um, he's, uh, he didn't go to Walmart for his, for his robe. So uh, here he is, a very successful guy. Um, also, just to, to say a little bit more about, about Jericho, um, this is a portion of the Roman Empire that... Uh, that had assimilated the Jews much more. And so Zacchaeus um, was kind of the... Uh, he had essentially betrayed the Jews. We all, we all hear about, uh, throughout the Bible, about tax collectors, how they're not viewed well. Um, tax collectors in Galilee, which was Jericho, those are the worst of the worst. Um, so you don't just have a guy of material success... You have a guy that he's also broken. He's religiously lost. He uh, he has no hope. He's someone who uh, is so removed from the law. Someone who forsook uh, his his Jewish customs, his Jewish traditions, the Jewish religion to such an extent that he is completely lost. So he's the kind of man that he might be going to bed in a king size bed uh, in the biggest house in town. But when he closes his eyes at night, he's hopeless. He's lost. He has no hope of salvation. He's almost as untouchable as the leper or the prostitute. So you have a, you have a bit of a dichotomy there. He's sold out any hope he has for salvation, any security he has in God for security on earth. That's who Zacchaeus is. And we know all of that based just on the fact that he's the chief tax collector of Jericho. Now, moving on to verse 3, he was trying to see who Jesus was. It says, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. All right, so he's obviously a wee little man, but I think the, the, the thing to really point out here is he wanted to see who Jesus was. In verse 4, it goes on and says, So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, we all like to think, yes, he's a wee little man, so he had to climb this tree. But consider the fact of what we know about Zacchaeus. We know later on people know who he is. The crowd responds to the fact that Jesus is going to be staying at his house. He's an extremely powerful man, and he's an extremely rich man and yet he's going to climb a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Consider the indignity of that. Consider the humility that he had to do to actually climb that tree. Because when you climb a tree, people are going to see you. I remember uh, when I was, I think it was about fifth grade, I had to speak in front of an assembly of the whole school, and there was a teacher, and there was another teacher, and so they're, you know, adults, and they come up to the microphone and say something, and the second teacher came to the microphone and said something. Then it was my turn to go speak in front of the whole school. Well, I'm a fifth-grade boy, and, I, you know, I don't exactly come from tall stock, um, as obvious by the fact that here I am, 5'8", as a grown man. So, uh, so I was a short guy, and so whenever I come up to the microphone, I had to, I had to get on a little stool. And so, you know, here, here I am, kind of small, and then I have to 
get on the stool, and all of a sudden my head pops up behind the podium. It was funny. But here it is, you know, several years later. I, I still remember it, and it was, it was embarrassing. Uh, there's an indignity of being short, and there's an indignity of being short in public and having to look over. But also consider the fact that um, he's an important man. An important man, usually if someone really important is coming through, they don't have to go climbing up a tree to see, to, to meet who is ever important coming through. Um, if, oh, I don't know, uh, who's somebody famous nowadays? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's pretty famous. Suppose he's traveling from Winder to Jefferson, and he's passing right in front of our church. And there's a huge crowd out by Highway 11 right there, and we can't see over it. And so Pastor Bobby, the pastor of this church, has to climb the tree right out there to even get a good look at Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It would be kind of embarrassing, wouldn't it, Bobby? Yeah. That's, that's what Zacchaeus is doing right here, guys. Um, he's, he's a high official. And he's not getting to escort Jesus through the city. He has to climb a tree. He has to run out ahead of the crowd to climb a tree and then subject himself to the attention of, ha, look, there's Zacchaeus up in a tree trying to see Jesus. And why does he do that? Because verse 3 says it's because he wanted to see who Jesus was. We see in, uh, in that this is in Luke chapter 19. It says in verse 1 that Jesus was passing through Jericho. Do you know where he was passing through to? To Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be crucified. This comes very close towards the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. Zacchaeus has likely already heard of Jesus. He's heard of Jesus' uh, attention to ministering to people like tax collectors and then others that we've also gone through in this series, prostitutes, lepers. And he's heard of that. So he's not just looking to see, well, who's, who's this coming in the... Who's this coming down? The crowd's really paying attention to this guy. I've got to see who he is. No, he already knows who Jesus is. He's heard who Jesus is. And based on hearing the ministry of Jesus, he does a humbling act by climbing this tree because he wants to see Jesus. He wants to actually have a physical interaction. He wants to come to Christ. Also, I think it's, um, it's interesting that he climbs a sycamore tree. Now, I am not some sort of uh, whiz when it comes to plants. I didn't know that a sycamore tree is also a fig tree, for those that may not know. And this is the culmination of a theme throughout Luke that we see where Jesus mentions figs um, several times. You can look at Luke chapter 6, verse 43, or it'll be up there. If you're like me, you don't like flipping through the Bible too much whenever you're whenever you're trying to stay in one spot. But uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 43, Jesus said, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from briar bush. The good man... Uh, 
the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Remember that last part there. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So that's back in Luke 6. And then we can go to Luke 13, chapter 6, verse 9. And he told this parable, A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer... And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. This parable, it's obvious that the, the, the vineyard owner is the father. And the vineyard worker is the son. Is Christ. And why does the son intercede on behalf of this tree? In the hope that fruit will eventually come from it. And keep in mind, it had been barren a long time, but that, that hope still remained. Now, back to Zacchaeus. We go to, so going back to Luke 19, verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, there's, a, uh, there's an image on the next slide that every time I read this verse, this is what I would think of. Um, actually, do you, do you mind going to the next slide? Right There, there it is. Um, all right, so there's, uh, there's this picture um, on the Saturday Evening Post. If you can see, it's, it's, uh, it's a bunch of boys just all crowding around some little bitty hole in that wall. And on the other side of it is a baseball game. And those guys, all those boys are just... They, they don't have enough money to get into the game. I don't know who's on the other side of that wall. I don't, I don't know when this was exactly published. I, it could be Ty Cobb. It could be Babe Ruth. It could be Jackie Robinson. Um, it could be Joe DiMaggio. Either way, I think it's, it's safe to say that who's ever on the other side of that wall, those boys are doing whatever they can to just get the slightest glimmer of their hero on the other side of it. Um, and what I think about is, is what if that left fielder playing in that Major League Baseball park in front of thousands and thousands of people was to turn around and look right at that little hole in the wall that those boys are trying so hard to look into and said, you know what? Come on outside behind that wall. Today you're sitting in the dugout with me while we play this game together. That's what happens to Zacchaeus. Here's a guy just desperately coming up this tree, broken, wanting to see who Jesus is. And so going back to, to verse 5, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come on down, for today I'm staying at your house. And he hurried down and received him gladly, in verse 6. And Look and see who we mean in verse 6. 
And it's not capitalized right there on the slide, but in your Bible, that hymn is a capital H. Who received who? Zacchaeus received Christ. He hurried down and received him joyfully. Joyfully. Romans 12.12 says, Be joyful in hope. Here's Zacchaeus. He was a hopeless man. He has hope now for the first time, maybe ever, in his adult life. He has spent a long career climbing to the, to the office of chief tax collector of Jericho in total brokenness. And for the first time, he has hope. And out of that, hope springs joy. Let's skip over verse 7 for just a moment, going on to verses 8 and 9. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Now let's be clear here. Zacchaeus is not receiving salvation based on his act of giving back. He's not receiving salvation because, as he said, he's going to give to the poor and give back four times as much. Where do these actions come from? They come from that joy that's talked about in verse 6. Receiving him joyfully. Jesus recognizes this. Salvation isn't from doing these acts. It's not from coming down. It's not saying, I'm going to give everything I have. Remember the, the, uh, the story of the, of the rich man who came to Jesus and said he was going to give everything. He, he, or he, he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus said you had to give everything you've got. And he walked away disappointed. Well, here we have another rich man who's willing to give everything he's got. It's not, because he's will, it's not because he's going to give it all away. It's because it's coming from a changed heart. It's coming from a heart that's now filled with hope and joy in Christ. And I think it's interesting that here, after reading these, about the fig tree in Luke 6, the fig tree in Luke 13, here Jesus has literally harvested fruit out of the fig tree. Zacchaeus was, was barren been barren for a long time. He hadn't produced fruit. The fruit in the parable, that tree had been barren for three years. Zacchaeus had likely been barren a lot, lot longer. But there was still hope. Hope in Christ. And once he had that hope, joy sprung from that. And from joy sprung the act of, of wanting to, to give back. Of the fruit of wanting to, to right wrongs, of wanting to, to do works of goodness and kindness. Luke 6, once again, said, His mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Fruit doesn't come from thorn bushes. The fruit came from the tree, a healthy tree, a tree that had been fertilized.
So once again, Zacchaeus is not being saved here by his mere actions, but it's from the change of his heart. Now let's go back and talk a little bit about the people in verse 7. Right after Jesus said that he was going, Zacchaeus, hurry down for today. I'm staying at your house in verse 5. And then in 6, he says, and he hurried down and he came and received him gladly. Zacchaeus received Jesus gladly. And that's when the people, when they see it, they all began to grumble saying, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, once again, this is in Galilee. All right. Now, what do we know about Galilee? Every time it's mentioned throughout the Gospels, Galilee is always, is, it's, it's always getting uh, short shrift. They're, they're kind of the, um, you know, the, they're, they're kind of the, the Nicholson. Uh, I'm just playing. Nick spoke. <laughs> I, just, I just can only say that as a West Side guy. No, what they, uh, what they're saying is that uh, th- these guys, these Jews are from Galilee. Now, Galilee was uh, once again a um, a well-to-do place. It was much more diverse. The Romans had um, had had a lot more success in assimilating Galilee into the empire. And there were a lot of other uh, languages, a lot of other cultures that had also come into Galilee. So the Jews there were much less uh, adherent. And so to the Pharisees in the south, to a lot of the Jews in the south, down in Judea, in Jerusalem, they didn't view the Jews up there very well. And so these are the folks that are lining the streets in Jericho viewed um, viewed among the entire Jewish world, these Jews are considered to be, you know, not the best. And Zacchaeus is the worst of the worst. And so then these aren't great Jews, and Zacchaeus is the worst of all of them. So it's interesting that their reaction is that, well, look, you can't eat with Zacchaeus. He's a sinner. Well, we can, we can infer that it wouldn't matter really where they lived, but certainly in the Jewish world, in Galilee, they were all sinners as well. They weren't exactly the best adherents of the law. They weren't following Jewish custom. And so, it, I think it's, it's interesting that, that they're able to, to not look at themselves, but to immediately look at Zacchaeus as the sinner. Sometimes we are Zacchaeus, and sometimes we are the people. Um, Sometimes there's a season in life where we feel hopeless. Um, Even some that that may have been Christians a long time, you find yourself in a very dry period, and uh, you feel, um, you struggle to find that joy sometimes. Maybe it's a long struggle with a particular sin. Maybe um, it's a struggle with a particular family member. Maybe, uh, maybe it's financial issues that just have been really weighing you down. Maybe you've uh, been pouring time and energy into an idol, like a career, trying to get that chief tax collector spot, putting all your time and energy into that. And you still feel that emptiness. Still go home, 
close your eyes at night and feel a little bit of that hopelessness. And maybe for, maybe for some of us here, we've, we've never known that hope. We've never known that joy. Maybe you've never come to Christ. Guys, I'm, I'm here to tell you that Jesus' offer to Zacchaeus that day is as real today as well. You might hear the story of Zacchaeus and think, where's the closest tree? Guys, Pastor Bobby's right there. Elder Radley's right there. Come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Jeff. Don't leave today. Don't go one more minute without knowing that joy. You too can see who Jesus is just as Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now, some of us may also identify with the people. And I'll be the first to say, sometimes I'm the people. Okay? Um, I think oftentimes, those of us in the church have a tendency to, to kind of cocoon up. Um maybe more so today than ever. Uh, it's, you can go to work, interact with people there, go to the grocery store, see the, um, God bless, go on Facebook, Twitter. It's horrible, all right? <laughs> you can just kind of think, you know, I'm just going to stick with my people. I know my folks at Cornerstone, we've got it going on. I'm just going to stick with them. I'm going to cocoon up. This is my group. And come, Jesus, as soon as possible. All right? That's the, the, we, we, I think we have a tendency to do that sometimes. Um, there's two problems with that that immediately come to mind. First of all, there's no such thing as the perfect Christian. In, that, in thinking about Jewish custom, thinking about following the law, there might be a few Jews in Galilee lining the streets of Jericho that were following the law a little better than Zacchaeus. But guys, they were just as lost. They were just as much sinners. Sometimes we might think that, well, at least I'm going to church every Sunday. Um, I'm, maybe I've got a small group. I just signed up for the 3-6 dinner. So, you know, I'm doing all right. Way better than, than so-and-so that I keep seeing post about this or that on Facebook. I'm doing all right. The fact of the matter is, guys, we all fall short. The fact of the matter is, is that None of us deserve to have Jesus come dine at our house. And the fact of the matter is, is that if, if you've accepted Christ, we've all had to climb onto that sycamore tree. And so, we need to be careful not to, not to start drawing lines like that. There is no continuum in, in, in Christ. Okay? We all fall short. And yet we are all covered by that salvation. And we need to resist the urge to draw comparisons. We also, whenever we have an attitude like that, like the people, we deny the power of Christ. That's what the people were doing, is saying, well, Jesus, Son of God, Creator of heaven and earth, the Word, you can't have dinner there. That's, that's not how it works. We either believe that God came to save the world or he didn't. 
Did he come to save everyone or are some people beyond saving? And it's real easy to have the, the quick answer, oh yeah, Jesus came to save everyone. But do we really believe it? Remember Luke 13, the barren fig tree. The father was ready to cut it out. It was hopeless. Hadn't, hadn't produced fruit in three years. Why waste time with it? Zacchaeus had likely lived well into his middle age, maybe even getting older, with no fruit. Do we believe? that God came to save save our old friend who might be on his third wife already, who's a serial adulterer? Do we believe that that co-worker who sneers every time you might mention that you're going to church, do we believe in the hope of Christ for that person? Do we believe um, that a child or family member who's in a season of rebellion is beyond the hope of Christ. We don't believe that. Because in Luke 19.10 it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That's how it ends right there. This is the culmination of Jesus' entire ministry as related in Luke. Right there in 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We have all been lost. And none of us, none of us are beyond the hope of Jesus Christ. And when we get that hope, we get the joy. And when we get the joy, we get the fruit. And that's the story of Zacchaeus. And so, if you're Zacchaeus today, understand that that that, that process that joy is open to you and if maybe maybe you're the people today don't be discouraged and know that no one is beyond the hope of Christ uh, bow your heads and pray with me dear Lord we um, we thank you for calling Zacchaeus out of the tree that day or we thank you for for being, for being such a merciful God, the kind of God that, that intercedes on our behalf when all seems hopeless to, to those of us, Lord, that, that your love reaches across that hopelessness. It's still, uh, still powerful. God, we... Um, ask that you uh, help us to, to remember those lessons as we go throughout our throughout our week throughout the weeks ahead Lord help us to know that we aren't beyond hope and that those we love aren't beyond hope and that the hope that Zacchaeus had that day is, is the same as we have today Lord we uh, also pray for those in the, in the hurricane that Pastor Bobby talked about, the victims there. Lord, they may feel hopeless today. And Lord, uh, while we may be making monetary donations, we pray that that those would would go to 
to ease some of the suffering there, God. We also pray that you use that disaster to your glory. Help those that may be feeling hopeless, material possessions washing away. Help them know that, that, uh, that they have eternal hope in you. And pray that, uh, that your presence would just be with the victims of that horrible disaster. So once again, we thank you for this lesson. We thank you for bringing us all here today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.